0: Good evening. It's very nice to see so many of you. Um, I am here with somebody who I'm very proud to say I've known for many, many years, and I think I may call a friend. But he is also the director of these uh, Chekhov plays that we're going to be talking about, Jonathan Kent. And um, I think what I want to do first is just have a little quick check How many of you have already seen some or all of these plays? Yes, I thought you might have. And of those, how many have already seen all of them? Nearly everybody. (laughs) Well, you know as much as there is to know then. (laughs) so that's fine. Well, I hope you will agree with me then, those of you that have seen them, that um, uh, it's a really astonishing achievement. I think it's it's a wonderful experience isn't it to sit through them all and have have this marvelous kind of to bathe yourself in all of this wonderful stuff but mainly it's the achievement I think of the of of course the writer but of the actors and the designer and the director to pull these plays together and make something of them both individually and collectively which I think I have to say, having seen all of these plays myself several times before, um, felt extraordinarily fresh and new, even the seagull, which we've probably all seen many times before. Mm. So, um, brilliant. That's, that's just up Was front. Is that the end? Can we yeah, go now? You yeah, you can go now. <laughs> yes, that's fine. But I thought we might talk a bit to start with about the plays themselves and about <coughs> your involvement with them, because actually, Variously, you've been involved with these plays for quite a long time. In well, many, the
1: first two, Platonov and Ivanov. Yeah, um, I in the nineties, ninety-seven, I think, when I was at the Almeida, I did a production of Ivanov in David Hare's version with Ray Fines, um, and we ate, we played and we took it to Russia, and it was. Not quite the same version as we have here, the thing about David David seagull is an entirely new uh, adaptation. Uh, Platonov is hugely rewritten six seven characters uh, and planov I did in two, on September the eleventh i mean two thousand and one, which was not a great, most auspicious um, first night, um, and it was very odd uh, but uh, the uh, David has rewritten Platonov almost entirely. It's six, seven characters have, have disappeared. We learned. We learned from that production. Um, and the same way Ivanov, uh, which has not been changed quite so radically, but has, has changed quite considerably. And The Seagull, as I, as I said, is, is, a new, is a new version. But the idea always was to try and put them all together. Um, And I I mean I left the Almeida soon after that so that it just faded away then. Life intervened and we, we didn't do the Seagull. But that was always the intention and I think because we felt it was in some senses of course the birth of a genius, but in other senses it was the coming of the new. It was the beginning of 20th century theater. It was plotting the, the journey towards the twentieth century um, with, with the seagull. Platonov is an unashamedly nineteenth-century play. It's got huge elema, elements of melodrama. Actually, all three plays, to a degree, have. Um, but but Platon, uh, Platonov is sort of naked and unashamed. It's you know there's a as you've seen it, this is not a, a spoiler, you know, a, a train comes through and a girl throws herself in front of a train. It's, it's, it's like, it's a real old 19th century melodrama, and it's got wonderful elements. I love melodrama. I think melodrama is an underrated form. I think it's, it's at its best, it's heightened storytelling, and it's exciting. Um, uh, Ivanov has Elements of melodrama as well, you know, man's kissing a girl and his wife comes into the room and it's curtain call. A curtain, I mean. And, um, and uh, so it's, it's got those kind of elements. By the time you get to the seagull, the 19th century has really fallen away. And for the first time, we have a play really where the, the author, the authorial voice has disappeared into the fabric of the play. And I think that's what we were, we were keen to sort of explore, is with the same company, which is, as Jenny said, this, you know, this is, of course, a celebration of Chekhov, but it is also a celebration of acting, to watch the same company shift and metamorphose from, from uh, uh, play to plays, I, th- I find completely thrilling. Um, but by the time you've got to, to the seagull, the authorial voice has sort of disappeared, and each character has its own has its own integral life um, in a way that perhaps with Platonov, which was written when he was. I know I'm talking much too much. No, no, they're here to hear <laughs> uh, you. <laughs> uh, they uh, were a uh, Platonov, which was written when he was 20, and was just discovered after his death in a lot of uh, disparate scenes and and uh, notes and things. And if you put it all together, it would last about seven hours. And David has curated and shifted and changed. And actually, there's an awful lot of David Hare in it as well. But it's about it's a, a play written by a young man of 20 about. Another young man who's irresistible to women, so you sort of feel you know where his sympathies lie and um, and uh, but and then Ivanov there is a sort of although he keeps denying it a sort of Hamlet figure at the center again that's that he, he seems in some ways to represent the authorial uh, voice. but by the time you get to the seagull, really that has. That has disappeared. There are elements, of course, in Constantine, in Doctor Dawn, in, but, but it's now so much more even-handed, and I think that's what is. I really do believe that the Seagull and, of course, some of Ibsen, the 20th-century theatre had arrived.
0: It, it's it's interesting that you you talk about them in that way because, of course, what you're also describing is a writer refining his own craft as yeah. he goes through. And I think it would be fair to say, wouldn't it, that firstly, perhaps, Platonov in particular, uh, Ivanov to a certain extent, are considerably, um, what should we say, baggier yeah, structurally so baggier. <laughs> than, than, than the later They're not sophisticated. Then, no. But what's also apparent is that there are certain themes that preoccupy him that he pulls all the way through all of that material from the beginning right to the end of the seagull and there are certain um, well you might even say there are certain characters who recur sort of yes i mean there are i mean i, I
1: like to think of it as a, a sort of symphonic to see the three you see these themes arise the the how youth deals with the society i mean in platonov it's somebody who you know defies society and um and in the end sort of what I find completely tragic is he doesn't kill himself he's killed by mistake, and it's a sort of terrible i don't know it's a i i i think it's the most tragic ending, much more tragic actually than if he'd made the decision to kill himself and so and then in ivan Ivanov you see the Youth, again, the evaporation of youthful idealism. Uh, And in The Seagull, which I think is one of the cruelest plays I know. I know that seems sort of absurd to say a play written in, you know, here we are in the world of, I don't know, Sarah Kane. Uh, But I still think it's, its pitiless destruction of youth in the last act is sort of unbearable and and a willful destruction by an older generation of youth. So there are there are themes which occur, reoccur, and, and you're right, there are, there are doctors, for instance, in all three.
0: The one thing that's just occurred to me, and therefore we have not touched on this yet I- in our earlier conversation, is that I don't think in these plays, or in any other play of Chekhov's that I can think of, there is a portrait of a happy marriage. There are many that's portraits true. of extremely unsatisfactory marriages. That's true. In all three of these plays that's the case, mm. is it? It's
1: certainly it? the case. Uh,
0: and do you think well, that's that's sort of rooted in his own... Well, that,
1: there is uh, yes, 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 there's a portrait of very unhappy marriage in, in Seagull. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I don't think, yes, he's not a great and nor was Chekhov, I'm afraid, he's not a great advert for Axorious no, fidelity. I'm afraid.
0: Isn't. No, he isn't. And and he doesn't seem to have a tremendously high regard for the doctors, given that it was his own profession. No, no, no. I mean, you'd have to admit they're not great shakes, really, <laughs> are they? <laughs> so he but but the, the the serious point about that, I suppose, is that there, is an, there, there I, one might be tempted to think that there was an element of autobiography. You mentioned the authorial voice, um, which is very present in the first two plays and much less so in the, in the third. But nonetheless, he is, he, he, he is still quite present in the sense that he does write about what he knows, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he writes. You know, uh, Platonov was, as I say, written and was never... He sent it apparently to a theatre and I don't know if they even bothered to respond. Anyway, so he abandoned that. But Ivanov was done um, in St. Petersburg and was in complete disaster. Nobody could remember their lines the The party guests in the last in the second act were all really drunk and uh, <laughs> apparently furniture was broken anyway, anyway, he left swearing he would never write for theater again and um, but there, it was revived I think two years later and was moderately successful, but he nonetheless was determined not to to write for theatre anymore, and and Seagull, I think, was twelve years later, and I think he hadn't entirely. I mean, his portrait of of an actress in in Seagull is not entirely benign, and um, and so I think he still had a sort of. I think it's theatre still rankled, um, of course. And then during Seagull, he met the woman that who who, uh, Olga Knipper, who he married and lived with for the rest of it. Well, didn't really live with. They they were Mm -hmm. apart an awful lot for the rest of their lives, Um, and he didn't have that much longer to live actually. But uh, no, I think I think he's um, he's he's sceptical about the human race but at the same time i find them the most entirely moving and benign plays it's it's an yeah. odd contradiction
0: yes he's skeptical but he isn't he isn't um malign in no, any way and he's right. no he's not dyspeptic no he isn't no that that's true no. and certainly these these plays as they're presented here don't uh, uh, have have a weird kind of optimism given that they all end badly Terrible. you can <laughs> <you
1: know. laughs> pistol he, that, he yeah. was known for that yeah.
0: there is one thing which is tiny bit sort of came as a bit of a shock to me. And I, just want, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. But there is a moment in Ivanov when Ivanov says something to his wife, which is very, very shocking because you aren't quite anticipating it if you're in the audience, when he alludes to her Jewishness in pretty unpleasant terms. And uh, it's, I felt that it was odd because considering all the other themes that are pulled through all three plays and quite clearly he's thinking about, it, it seemed to me to be largely un and not very much explored, but it's very real in that play, isn't it? Did you did you think about, think? I mean, you and David, when you were working on the text, how did that theme emerge? Well, th- that theme, emerge? actually,
1: and uh, in Platonov there is a, the in the original version we did, there, there is a Jewish merchant and his son, and there is a degree of, uh, of anti-Semitism in that. Uh, and we cut that by the time we, we, we did this incarnation of it. Um, this, the Ivanov there is, in the sort of slightly Gogolesque um, uh, society, seen in Act 2, there's there's a degree of anti-Semitism. I think, you know, it was part of the that, yes. that society. As I'm sure you all know, uh, Jews were not allowed to live with it, where we get the expression, beyond the pale. So th- there was a, I don't know if it was a literal uh, 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 wall—it's a Trumpian wall—but um, <laughs> but there was there was a uh, there was a boundary between beyond which Jews were not allowed to 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 come into Greater Russia, and um, it's, unless they were they were very rich or had special license, so it was very much. And I think, I mean, I like the—I'm afraid—I like the the shock of of. of a man s- using using Jewishness as a weapon in rage against her so pe- especially as he married her and it was part of a, a youthful progressive view of society mm. which he's betrayed and as he said uh, after it uh, the minute he said it he says the shame the shame of it um and uh, I think it's a, it's it's sort of necessary. I think it would be difficult to cut it, I, but somehow.
0: Mm. No, I I I didn't I didn't, it, I I didn't feel savage, oh, you shouldn't no, have done no, no, that. No, I, I just I no no, yeah. no it
1: is it's you know it's uh, it's it's difficult. Yeah. Um, but I think the savagery of it is is.
0: But as you rightly important. say, well, you said to me earlier the the sav <laughs> the savagery <laughs> is actually embodied in what he says to her after that yes. as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. It it's interesting with the audience. Uh, he calls her a dirty Jew, I, I, I'm not giving anything away to people, who haven't seen. and the audience quite often sort of gasp. And then immediately afterwards, he says, you're going, and you're going to die, you're going to die very soon. The audience goes, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the, the, the dirty Jew is the, yes. is the uh, we, yes.
0: inflammatory thing to say, which yes. of course it is. Which indeed it is, yes. The, in those 12 years between, um, bef- between uh, Ivanov and the seagull, um what was he, what was he doing that gave rise to this extraordinary um, refined elegant piece of work that came he was
1: a, he was writing his shor- he was a very famous short story writer he was the great uh, short story yes. comic comic short story writer and uh, i think he was simply i i don't know i don't think anybody knows why suddenly this play emerged. Yeah. And how this sort of flowering after the first which I love I don't want to diminish in any sense the first two plays because I love them. I love their robust energy and and, and ebullience of spirit. I think they are marvellous plays, absolutely marvellous plays. And but none of neither of them prepare you for for the Seagull. For the for the maturity of the seagull. I mean I suppose 12 years had passed and he'd, he'd, thought, a he'd thought a lot. He'd thought <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yes. And, r- and written a lot,
0: but not yeah. for the theatre. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, it, it, it struck me. And, and actually, the, um, the design has a great deal to do with this. Uh, that when you come to the seagull, it has elements in common with Shakespeare because of the... Deep humanity, the, gr- the enormously um, empathetic feeling that he clearly has for those people, even though he allows them to speak for themselves. But also, it reminds me of Mozart, oh, because of it. Well, because of the um, the uh, elegance of the of the ensemble, as yeah. it were. Yeah, and true. I just wondered whether your work on either of those two authors was ever explicitly in your mind, it must have been implicitly, I should say, authors and composers. um,
1: I've never really thought of Mozart, but you're absolutely right, I think that that's right. Um, And they're not Shakespearean in in the sense, they don't have the kind of, the heroic qualities of Shakespeare. No, but if you think of of Twelfth Night. Exactly, no, 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 but Mm. there are, there are, there are, and sometimes you do, I mean, uh, course, because I'm, you know, involved in them now. I think they're the greatest plays ever written. But um, but uh, I do think this is as great as any. This is as great as Shakespeare. Absolutely as great as Shakespeare, in that it it seems to encompass the whole of humanity, in in these curious little sealed worlds. Somehow well, we're all every element of of the world and and humanity is there.
0: Yeah. And and that actually does bring one... Which, of course, is Mozart, too. It is Mozart, indeed, yes. But the design, um, which you can see, and those of you who've seen the shows know, it's got a lot to do with water. There's a lot of water. But what it is mainly is very specific, in the sense that you're very aware that you're in that world, as you describe it, a, a, a sealed world. And they talk a lot, don't they, about it being yeah well they're away all from hundreds things. of miles away exactly. from
1: where they want to be yes moscow when where.
0: you were, when you were working uh, on the design um d- how did you did you immediately want it to evoke very clearly that strange russian world well i think
1: i do think uh, for having done These before and it's interesting you say that because when we when I first did Platonov back in the Almeida, um, I was working with a different designer, but he and I started by having a much more sort of loose, much less uh, naturalistic Mm -hmm. world, and actually because Chekhov is so specific, you sort of are tripped up by it. You can't quite. You need to give him a credible world for this this very. Um, intricate uh, little society to play itself out, out against. But what we wanted, because we knew there were, well, we knew we were doing three plays. We wanted, we wanted was a sort of installation which could, which could evolve and change and sort of. Things could emerge from, you know, walls could rise out of the floor. So we we knew that there had to be a basic platform, which which became this, which is a sort of stage, and is yes, and but 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 we also wanted sort to be quite elemental. So it's wood Mm. and it's water. Mm. Um, That that seemed, and it's it's the world of Russia. I mean, I think that I've worked in Russia a couple of times, and what you're aware of. I also grew up in, in, in South Africa, in Africa, and, and they, both those countries, you, you're aware of how enormous they are and how insignificant, in an odd sort of way, you are, in both if you're living on the tip of Africa or if you're in the middle of, well, I was in St. Petersburg. But, so, so it's, but it, nonetheless, you're aware of the, just the vastness of it. And I think we, what we wanted were, were figures in a landscape, um, I thought that that seemed mm. seemed important, um, and Ivanov, which is largely an internal play, what we do is we have walls which blot out the landscape, so they are walls and a sort of guillotine comes down to exclude Russia because Ivanov, if it's about anything, Platonov, it's is about the 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 end of a medieval Russia. Uh, you know, with the coming of the railways and in fact there is a railway that cuts through it um, and it's sort of it's the industrial, it's the tarmacking over of, of Russia and the arrival of the merchant class and the bourgeoisie and by the time you get to Ivanov that is in the ascendancy. So what we were deter- what we wanted to do was was exclude Russia so there are these walls which come up and you're aware that there are trees and water behind but they are excluded fr- from us and and it's a it's a uh, a sort of bourgeois world inside um but by the time you get to to the seagull which is uh, of course you know of its nature a, a play about and uh uh involved in, 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 in water um, that's where we have the most open of the stages is most open and there's the most water there's expanses of water as Nina is a girl who lives across the lake and sort of comes through and the lake and
0: is sort of in it isn't in it. she that was mm.
1: important that, that mm-hmm. she somehow is of it mm. of yeah. the water
0: and it, i don't know how many people here maybe none but did anybody see the plays or any of them in chichester Yes, some of you did, I oh thought God. so. I, I didn't, so can I ask you about what the differences were in terms of how you were able to stage the shows? Because the, th- the, th- the, th- the theatres are not that dissimilar, but... No, they are not, but the Olivier has sort of things crucially. Yeah.
1: The Olivier, which in some ways for these plays, I think is better because it's more focused. I think the Olivier is one of the gr- greatest theatres in the world. It's, a, it's wonderful... In that there's this the energy of an audience pouring down on a figure standing at the centre of the stage is sort of unbeatable. Uh, Chichester is more surrounded, mm. and in a way these plays are more focused now. In that they are more straight on, head on, um, and I think actually better. They are better. I think they. I mean that may be that we're better too. You know we've got we've got better, but I. I think just this, the 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 space propels the plays into the audience. Yes, it's,
0: it's interesting because because of course Olivier is not 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 the easiest space because it's epic, isn't it? Yeah, it's a heroic space. It's a heroic space, and arguably these plays are domestic plays. Well,
1: well, I, actually, funnily enough, I was worried about the Seagull, which is such delicacy, and I was worried. And I think the seagull particularly works better here, mm. um, because the first two plays have a robustness and a sort of, uh, as we keep saying, but have a sort of youthful, uh, sort of drive and 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 are rough edged in a good way, I think. But the seagull has such a sophistication and a delicacy. I was I was worried that it might just seem like little figures and way over there and who cares but I think it, it doesn't no. No, I think it doesn't
0: doesn't yeah, at, no. I at think all it's good um, just a little bit more about the about working with the actors on the because it's such a big thing to do yes I mean, under, it, and it's huge what they've undertaken
1: huge huge I mean the people like Olivia then and, and, and Des McAleer, who 've got larger and Olivia particularly got huge parts in all three plays, um, and, and Des, who has very big parts in all, all three, three plays, but everybody in the main, there are very few people who aren 't in at least two <laughs> and I think I mean well I, I think the fact that they 've all come back or, or nine tenths of them have all come back to do it here argues that they enjoyed doing it. It is is a very, it's a thrilling thing to do, actually, I think, as it's it's been very hard work, but it's sort of a celebration of the actor's craft. And I think- um, And
0: it creates a wonderful event for the audience, doesn't
1: it? It does, and actually I was saying this to you earlier, but I think (laughs) it's true. What I'm also, pleased, and I think all theatres need this, it is an event. Whether it's good or bad, that's up for you for you to to judge. But it is an event, and all theatres, in particular institutions where you know, go oh, you know, if it's Tuesday, it must be Hamlet. Uh, you know, uh, it, where where it, it roll plays roll out. It's important to have these big exclamation points in the in in the middle of a season or a year or something like that. And I think the fact of this group of actors doing these three plays is an event. And I, and I have nothing but the, of course I would say this, wouldn't I, but it happens to be true, I have nothing but the greatest respect and admiration and affection for, for these people, for these 23 actors who do, who work so hard and with such, I think, Delicacy and finesse and g- grace in it. I, I, I think it's it's a real celebration of what, what, actors and theatre can do.
0: I think that's true, and that's coming from somebody who was once an actor. So yeah, he yeah. knows whereof he speaks. <laughs> and and actually, that just brings to the last little thing I want to ask you about, which is about you, really, mm-hmm. because you're, y- you c- you came to directing after a career as an actor. Yeah. and well, actually. Um, obviously you made uh, most of your early work at the Almeida, but you've since moved into opera where you've had huge success, international success. Firstly, what's coming up? And secondly, as between those two different forms of theater, which has given you the most Trouble. (laughs) Well, trouble... (laughs) You didn't know where I was going to go with that. And neither did I. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: I, I'm really pleased to have done both. But, you know, I am a creature of the theatre. That's what I basically am. I love opera. um, And I'm sort of still... uh, Actors, you know, sitting in a rehearsal room watching actors... I, saw, I couldn't do it, but I sort of know what they're doing. Sitting in a rehearsal room and watching singers, I have no idea how they do it. It just seems to me <laughs> uh, astonishing. And they're not even singing out. And when they sing out, I just, I just I forget to direct. I just sit and stare at them. So I'm probably not a very good opera director. But, 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 um, but, so, but I, I suppose. What I am is a theater director, but I'm very grateful for having done opera because it it allows you broad gesture, which and i I think is well certainly for the kind of theater i do I hope it's not exclusive, but it i I do do theater of gesture and and i uh i think it it encouraged that, which was which was perhaps I didn't need much encouragement maybe that's a big mistake <laughs> but uh, but it uh, but anyway it was uh, so I'm I am basically a theatre director but it's somebody who's very grateful to to occasionally do opera the problem with opera is you have to book so far ahead that it, I've found and actually I've pulled back from opera a bit because I found that it you know you, you were booking three four years yourself three four years ahead and theatre operates on a much uh, lesser t- time scale, so you s- discovered you weren't free for things you would love to do in theatre. So I suppose that absolutely argues that basically I'm a theatre director.
0: Indeed. And I think you undervalue yourself when you call yourself a director of gesture. There is more to it than that. Yeah, there's I more think. to that. There's more to and it than on that. But that I mean I'm not afraid of gesture, <laughs> no, I like indeed. gesture. I am yeah. fond you, of gesture. You like to work on a big canvas. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Well, well, I think, ladies and gentlemen, we could probably occupy this space for two and a half hours with this conversation but unfortunately we can't because there's going to be a play right here on this stage shortly and so um and some of you no doubt have come to see it so um I have to bring this to a close and say thank you very much indeed Jonathan